If you would, take out your Bibles and have them handy, but also take out the Trinity hymnal and open it to page 845. That's where you find the Apostles' Creed. As I mentioned before, we started last week a uh, new series in the Apostles' Creed that will probably run at least through the end of this year. As we uh, turn uh, to God's Word, let's turn to Him once again in prayer and ask for His help. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we know that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so as we come before your word, we ask that you, by the powerful working of your Holy Spirit, would indeed instruct us. Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to know, hearts to embrace, and hands to work out your truth. May your word strengthen us with patience to wait and endurance to not quit. And may we be encouraged by your living and active word as we run the race set before us. And Father, while we are running, may we rest in the confidence that the good work you have begun in us will be carried on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Again, please have your Bibles handy and uh, the Trinity hymnal open to page 845. Here we are at number two in the new series, Christian, What Do You Believe? An Exposition of the Apostles' Creed. Again, why this series? Why now? Well, it's to counter widespread ignorance and confusion as to what is the Christian faith. By its very name, we understand that at the center of Christianity is Christ. And so recall a few years ago, we went through the gospel according to Mark and we we, we primarily sought to answer this question, who is Jesus? And also, what did he come to do? And how should someone respond to the person and work of Jesus? And we may remember in chapter 1, that initial sermon, that summary sermon that Mark chose to include of Jesus when he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so our next big series was through the letter of Paul to the Galatians, where we address the question, what is the gospel? And you may recall that in chapter 2, verse 16, we read this, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We saw that at the heart of the gospel, the good news is justification by faith. Justification by faith is at the heart of the Christian faith. It's at the heart of Christianity. And so the general question then can be this, what is the Christian faith? What is the Christian faith? Well, it's, of course, built around the gospel. And we will see the Christian faith, the basics, the essentials, the fundamentals. We'll see that in the Apostles' Creed. Well, let me put the question, uh, what is the Christian faith, uh, a little bit more personally. Christian, what do you believe? Now remember our postcard has on it 
both a statement and a question. To be human is to worship. And then it asks the question, who or what are you worshiping? And as I mentioned last week, we can also modify that postcard to say this, to be human is to believe. Who or what are you believing? And so here we are at the Apostles' Creed. Remember, the word creed is from Latin meaning, I believe. Let's take a moment to consider, once again, two common but mistaken statements. No creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. Now, you may be thinking right now, isn't reciting a creed just an act of superfluous tradition? Now, that may very well be the case if you do not believe what you are saying or you're just going through the motions. Uh, To put it in some words of Scripture from one of the Gospels in Isaiah where Jesus says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Indeed, as we recite together a creed, our lips can move, but our heart can be at best, or it can, be, it can be cold and unmoving. However, if you really do believe what you are saying, then participating in a corporate confession of faith, such as the Apostles' Creed, is a tremendous means of strengthening your faith as it serves to focus your thoughts on the true nature of God and His gospel made known in His Word. Now let's get back to that familiar expression, no creed but Christ and no book but the Bible. Sounds good, sounds reasonable, but remember, with just a little reflection, we see they come up lacking because it leads us to ask questions, reasonable questions like, well, what do you believe about Jesus? And what do you believe the Bible teaches? You see, no creed but Christ sounds good. No book but the Bible sounds good and indeed have honorable intentions of focusing on Christ and focusing on his word. But at the end, without something like the creed that helps to organize and summarize the scripture's teaching, we may not actually be able to continue to focus on Christ or actually be able to continue to anchor ourselves in God's word. Creeds and confessions, while subordinate to and under the authority of the Bible, are nonetheless vitally important as they help us understand what we believe the Bible teaches about sin and salvation and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the church, among other things. For those of you here last week, this is a review For those of you new today, uh, this will be new. Last week we briefly considered the history, the content, and the use of the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed, we said, serves to keep the church faithful to the faith by keeping the church anchored in the harbor of God's word to the degree that the creeds in general and the Apostles' Creed in particular accurately and faithfully summarizes and organizes the teachings of Scripture, they serve as an anchor. They serve to anchor us in the harbor of God's Word, and without that anchor, one of two things happen. We either drift out to sea, or we shipwreck. We run into the rocks. 
We saw last week that there are some benefits to using the Apostles' Creed personally and corporately. Uh, The Apostles' Creed promotes humility. It serves to commend faith. It, it, It serves to help defend faith. And it promotes unity. Now, before we go on a word about humility and the unity that humility serves to maintain, the Apostles' Creed helps, I believe, to keep us humble and to prevent what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. It helps us remember that the church is not just located in our time and our place, but at all times and in all places. It brings us down to size, in other words. It it helps us see that we're not the first, we're not going to be the last, we're just amongst the many who have confessed this creed from ages past to coming ages. Indeed, G.K. Chesterton, another British philosopher, theologian, author, once said this, quote, I will not call Christianity my philosophy, for I did not make it. It made me. What do you think are the two most important words in the Apostles' Creed? What do you think are the two most important words in the Apostles' Creed? Would they have something to do with the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Well, here's a hint. These two words are found three times. In other words, they are repeated not once, but twice. Let's listen to the Apostles' Creed read without including these two words. In God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. In the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, kids, what two words were missing? Help me out. I believe. I believe. Now, if if these two words are missing, then all that we're left with is a series of subject headings of a summary of the Christian faith. Vitally important, essential, glorious doctrines. But if that's all there is in the creed, then something is missing. Well, after these first two sermons, we'll work our way through doctrines found in the Apostles' Creed by examining the biblical text behind them. For this second introductory message on the Apostles' Creed, there will be only two points. I apologize that they didn't make it into the um, bulletin before it was printed, but there are only two points, and they both have to do with the two most important words in the Creed, the two-word statement, I believe. The two points are what it does 
and does not mean. In other words, number one, I believe does not mean faith in faith. Rather, I believe means faith in the faith. Before we consider what it does mean, we're going to first consider what it does not mean. So the first point, I believe does not mean faith in faith. I believe, two simple words, a noun and a pronoun, a excuse me, a, a, a pronoun and a verb. I believe. And those two words in combination can be life-changing, life-shaping. I believe. Uh, words like belief and faith and trust. All similar words that can mean all sorts of things to all sorts of people. I believe can be expressed, I have confidence in, I trust in. But it's not faith or confidence or trust in faith. Because belief expresses faith and faith rests on something. You see, in his book, The God Who Is There, the late Francis Schaeffer, an American pastor, theologian, author, philosopher, argues that biblical faith is not faith in faith. Rather, it is faith in God and what, in what He has revealed about Himself. Now, many people have faith in faith. I mean, think of all the examples. I believe this is going to happen. I believe she is like that. I believe he is like that. And, and they are absolutely confident in belief. Um, unless you've been in a cave, you know that our nation right now is in the midst of, a, in one sense, a crisis of faith. Because right now people are saying, I believe her. I believe him. But saying I believe does not make it true. Our faith, our belief, our trust, our confidence has to rest on something. There has to be evidence for the belief. You know, people criticize Christianity all the time as a leap of blind faith. Are you kidding me? Christianity is not a leap of blind faith. It is a leap with eyes wide open, spiritual eyes that God has graciously opened to see the truth of who man is, what sin is and has done, who Jesus is, what, how someone should respond to the person and work of Jesus. Again, I believe does not make something true. Let's look at a biblical definition of faith. Remember, in Galatians, we saw that we are justified by faith. We saw that we live by faith. In 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks of walking by faith, not by sight. Hebrews chapter 11, the opening verse, provides this definition. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Some translations say the substance of things. In other words, there is a substance 
to faith. There is a weight to faith. You may recall that during the time of the Protestant Reformation, the reformers such as Luther and Calvin and Butzer and Zwingli and others were arguing with the church of the day, the Catholic church, um, on uh, a number of things, but in particular uh, justification by faith. And in doing that, the reformers had to do a lot of study on what is faith. What is faith? And they were careful to outline the biblical definition of faith in their writings. They recognized that biblical faith has three essential aspects. And there's three Latin words. Notitia, ascensus, and fiducia. Notitia refers to the content of faith or those things that we do believe. Because you see, we place our faith in something or someone. It just is not suspended in air. There's content to our faith. In order to believe, in order to confess, I believe, I believe, I believe, in order to do that, we must know something about that something or someone. So there's notitia, the content of faith, but there's a census, and it refers to the conviction of faith or those things that we believe. We place our faith in something, but then we are convicted that the content of our faith is true. Because you see, you can know about the Christian faith and yet believe it's not true. Because genuine faith says that the content, the notitia that's taught by the Holy Scriptures is true. And finally, the reformers saw this third part aspect of faith as fiducia. Fiducia. You should see where that comes, where we get fidelity out of that. It refers to personal trust and reliance. It's knowing and believing the content of the Christian faith is not enough. Because the demons, you see, know the content of the Christian faith. I remember in seminary... uh, it was fairly competitive at times. I, I struggled just to make it through. There were some struggling to get to the top to get to, to PhD work. And you know, the devil himself can ace a theology exam. Have you ever thought about that? He would be first in his class. He knows the content But knowing and believing the content of the Christian faith is not enough because faith is only effectual knowing about and assenting to. If you not just know about, but you assent to. Now, I'm going to do an illustration here primarily for the benefit of the children, but I hope for all of us. Hey, kids, what is this? That's the content, right? That is a chair. Now, what do you do with a chair? Okay, I believe that chair can hold me up if I sit down, right? What's missing? I've got notitia. I've got a census. I believe that's a chair that's going to hold me up. What's missing? What's missing? Yeah, fiducia, right? Here it is. Ready? 
That's faith. It's a chair. It will hold me up. And I'm sitting in it. Now that's a simple illustration, but it applies to so much. Every aspect of the Christian faith. Faith means knowledge, assent, and here it is, trust. Commitment and obedience. Now I believe is not a statement of faith in faith. Rather, it's a statement of faith in as the letter of Jude puts it, the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. And so let's move on to point number two. I believe means faith in the faith. Now having faith in faith is not a stable place to be. Because what you believe, how you may feel, may change. So having faith in faith is very unstable. We need, as we approach these things, to have an open mind. And G.K. Chesterton, who I quoted earlier, says this, Merely having an open mind is nothing. The object of opening the mind as of the opening of the mouth is to shut it on something solid. Right? We open our mouth in order to shut it on something solid, hopefully good food. And we open our minds to shut it on the truth. Because remember that Christian faith is a historical faith. Christianity is not so much based on its teaching, although most certainly it is involved teaching. But it's based on historical events. Events that really did happen in space-time history. Remember when, when uh, Paul says, I deliver to you of first importance that, that Jesus died according to the Scriptures. On the third day, He rose according to the Scriptures. It's actual events. You know, if you think about the other world religions, Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism and whatever else, it doesn't really matter what happened in their founder's life. No, what matters is the teaching. But Christianity, you see, is a historical faith based on things that are demonstrably true and verifiable. The teaching that we do receive provides the accurate interpretation and thus the understanding of those events. For instance, an example is this. Jesus died. Fact. Historical fact. Here's the interpretation. For our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. Fact. Historical event. For our justification, Paul would say. Remember these verses that we heard last week. So the churches were strengthened in what? The faith. And they increased in numbers daily. We read in Acts chapter 16. In the end of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Do everything in love. From our series in Galatians, 
We read in Galatians 1, they, were, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Paul is going to preach the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus over and over and over again. If you think about the preaching in Acts on the day of Pentecost, what is it? It's preaching the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus from the Old Testament Scriptures. Remember in Colossians 2 we read this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in what? The faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul writes Timothy, If you put these things before the brothers, you will have... You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. And you heard earlier, but it's worth repeating in Jude. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The Apostles' Creed, as we will see in the coming weeks, provides a clear and concise summary of the faith. Look with me through the Apostles' Creed. We are going to, week by week, look at God. We're going to look at God as the Father Almighty. God who is the Maker. He's the Creator. Maker of heaven and earth. We're going to look at the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ, His only Son. Our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Did you notice that two people's names make it into the creed? Mary and Pontius Pilate. Interesting. We'll take a look at that. was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. But then, the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. Oh my. Eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. And then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And if you look at these last phrases, expressions, it's all God and I believe in front of it. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. We will see that the author's in the first few centuries that put this creed together primarily as a baptismal confession of faith, the forgiveness of sins at the heart of Christianity. There is no Christianity apart from the forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. What good news for all of us whose bodies are falling apart. Resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Back to I believe. Two simple words. Life changing. And life shaping. For those of you that got the preparing for worship email. You may have scratched your head and said. Why did he ask us to read John 6. 22-59. And why John 9. 1-41. Well here is John 6. 28-29. and 29. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Great question. 
The religious leaders want to know, God, what, or to Jesus, what does God require of us? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. They're asking what are the works to be done and Jesus says it's to believe in me. Turn with me if you would to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We've been looking at this passage at the beginning in our Sunday school class on suffering and sovereignty. Remember when the disciples asked Jesus if it was the man or his parents that was the cause of him being born blind. And Jesus said, remember, neither. Was it sin? It was so that the works of God could be displayed. It's so that God could be glorified. Well, look with me at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. That's the man who he had healed. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Remember the Old and New Testament readings? Both about Abraham believing God. Believing in his promises. If you work your way through the Gospel according to John, Jesus often says, it's all about me. And that would be incredibly arrogant for anyone to say unless it was true. And at the heart of the Apostles' Creed, what occupies the most words is, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. That's what the man is saying. Lord, I believe, and he worshipped Him. My friends, I believe does not mean faith in faith. I believe means faith in the faith. Trust, confidence in the faith. Well, you have all heard that expression. The bullet missed his aorta by an inch. You've heard that expression. The knife missed the heart by a centimeter. You see, and those kind of violent injuries, inches, centimeters, can be the difference between life and death. Well, my friends, just two words make the difference between life and death. Well, let's conclude by reading the Apostles' Creed once again, this time only including the threefold repetition of the two most important words. Listen now to this shortened version of the Apostles' Creed. I believe. I believe. I believe. So the question for all of us is this. Do you believe? Do you believe? 
Not do you believe that you believe. Do you believe in God, the Father, in Jesus, the Son, in God, the Holy Spirit? And so how important is it to believe? Well, let's go as we wrap up here to the most well-known verse in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. When we did our study of 1 John, this is how the book ends, 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Did you hear that? In John 3, eternal life. In 1 John 5, eternal life. And look at how the Apostles' Creed ends. I believe in the life everlasting. Is it any wonder then that the Apostles' Creed begins with belief in God, spends most of its time speaking of belief in Jesus Christ, and then, as I just said, ends with the belief in life everlasting. May God be pleased to use this ancient, historical, relevant, up-to-date, practical summary and organization of the Christian faith to help us grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Help us to live lives pleasing to Him as we more and more reflect on what the triune God has done for His people. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we know that no one can say, I believe. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, apart from the powerful working of your Spirit. So, Father, we pray and ask that you would indeed be at work in all of us. We, we can easily agree with the man who had the Son, who said, I believe Help my unbelief. Oh, Father, help us to grow more convinced, more certain, more sure of the faith that has been once delivered for all the saints. And we thank you, Father, that you have delivered that faith to us. You have preserved it for us. Father, may these two words, I believe, become more and more a reality in how we live our life. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.